Well, it'll just be you, me, and Nick. Spencer, you always get all the answers. Whenever you hear the music, Colin, take it away. It's time for the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Let's mix it up with a breakdown of some local, regional, and national sports with Colin McLaughlin. And welcome into the Sports Mix on this September 1st. As we welcome you in, if uh, Matt, before I introduce everybody, can you get the uh, mute button back up? There we go. Welcome into the Sports Mix. Colin McLaughlin here on this Thursday, September 1st. As for those on the radio side, just heard me welcome in my co-host here for today as we are brought to you by the Brown Funeral Homes and Cremations, Robert Fields and Sons, a family-owned full-service funeral home that has proudly served our area since 1880. But on the TV side, since we were still muted, I'll welcome you back in the Hall of Famer. Matt Miller back in the command chair helping me out today and tomorrow as the rest of the gang up in southern Connecticut area heading there for the Shepherd game, which we'll talk about at 12.15 with Nick or Nick uh, calling in. But right now we want to focus on a game that we won't have, but it's an EPAC against EPAC opponent in Spring Mills and Washington tomorrow night both teams looking for the first wins of the year respectively for each program at well usually you talk to a coach and they will say that you'll make your biggest strides in a season between game one and game two because you've had your four weeks of workouts you've had your two scrimmages you've had a chance to see your team in action for them to see some action other than what they see in practice every day and then in game one all right it's finally live this counts and now you can go back and look at that film and say here's what we did well Here's what we didn't do so well, and hopefully then you make that jump into week two that now kind of settles you in. Obviously, you want to get a little better each week, so we'll be anxious to see how these two teams respond coming off of, of frankly, a pair of tough losses. Spring Mills didn't get anything going offensively in a shutout, and Washington had those two big plays that got them in the end zone to put 15 points on the board, but outside of that, didn't get a lot going offensively. So let's see how these two teams come out and and get some kind of continuity going when they have the football. Yep, and we got to see that Washington team play last week here on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10 as they took on Hedgesville. That was our first game that we had for the Thursday night kickoff around the state. And as you said, yeah, they looked great in the first half, getting those two touchdowns, 15 nothing, taking the lead. But something changed for the Hedgesville side in the second half, and it seemed like Washington offensively had no answers really for it. And then they bailed on the game plan of that single wing, which I've mentioned before, I I don't think it's built for comebacks, and that's kind of what they had to do because they found themselves in that situation eventually being down and had to start throwing the ball, and that caused an issue because that's not their game style, and I really think that hurt them. The two biggest sequences to me in that game, and and I was there to be able to watch, was a nine-yard gain on the first play from scrimmage to open quarter number three for the Washington Patriots. They've got that 15 to nothing lead. They just pounded for nine yards. And you're going, okay, let's see what this offense does. And on the next play, they cough up the football. They recover it, but end up losing a few yards. And then on a third down play, lose a few more yards. If they convert and get that first down and can keep that drive going, 
who knows how the game continues to play out. But now, add injury to insult or insult to injury, however you want to say that, the punt return after that kick helps to set up the Hedgesville Eagles. And on fourth down, the ball gets tipped by a Washington defender but still caught by an Eagle receiver who makes a great play on the deflection. And those two plays totally changed the complexion of the game to me. That Washington's offense never really got anything going again after that nine-yard gain and then those subsequent losses. And Hedgesville really picked up some momentum with that touchdown because now you're one possession down. And that came after three false starts for Hedgesville as well, you got to remember. It was fourth and goal being backed up, and you thought, oh, here we go again from the previous season, which you were here for, and Hedgesville lost that one because it seemed like they shot Mm -hmm. themselves in the foot too much. But they did, capitalized, and momentum eventually shifted. Spencer and I caught up with Coach Glenn Simpson of the Washington Patriots yesterday, and we'll hear that interview now to talk about that game as well as this week's game against Spring Mills. I just want to talk to you again about your game last week. We'll start it out. You guys had control of the game in the first half, but in the second half it just seemed like you weren't able to keep control of the ball game, obviously, and then uh, you fell. Well, we had uh, we had some adversity, and we did not uh, we did not respond well to that adverse adversity. Uh, we didn't handle it appropriately. Uh, you know, on the sidelines or on the field, and, and uh, you know, that was the difference in the second half. Even though you guys did wind up losing, what did you like from your team overall? Well, I liked uh, how there, there were points in time during the game where our players, particularly in the first half, uh, they made adjustments on the field. Uh, you know, they, they've been doing this, uh, long enough now where, you know, they have a little more freedom to, uh, you know, if they see something, they can, they can make the adjustments themselves. Um, and in the first half, uh, they were doing a, a good job of uh, confusing our blocking schemes with their alignments. And uh, our guys were able to figure that out. And, and the two counters that we hit for touchdowns were a result of that. I was very, I was very pleased with in that first half where where our minds were in terms of figuring out what was happening to us. Personnel wise, were you pleased with the way that uh, they performed? I was, I was pleased with the way they performed. Um, I know I ended up with some uh, some very young players that uh, I had hoped to get a little seasoning in the game that had to play uh, prominent roles because of injury. And uh, I know those uh, those young men had had a bit of a difficult time, but uh, I know that uh, I know the metal of these young men, and and I know they'll bounce back from it. What's been the focus this week in practice for your team? Well, it's the the ball. The ball is the focus. Uh, you can do nothing in this game without the ball. So you know that is the most important thing. So securing the ball on offense. And taking the ball away on defense, huge for us. And in Coach, the moments where where we were able to control the ball, you know, maintain control of the ball and and take the ball away, we had a lead. When we uh, didn't take care of the ball and wasn't able to take it away, our opponents were able to uh, pull away from us. 
And coach, this week uh, another EPAC ball game. This time against Spring Mills, it'll be your home opener. Uh, what are some things you've seen from Spring Mills from their first game on tape? Well, I, I'll go back to their uh, to their scrimmage game. I see I see a much improved team uh, from last year. Uh, I see I see a team that is more disciplined. Uh, they are. Uh, they're a talented team, more so than what the, the game film showed uh, against Musselman last week. Um, I think they're a, the, a team that hasn't shown what they can be yet. Uh, I think they're dangerous. What's your game plan then overall? Oh, we're gonna we're gonna do what we do. Our game plan is to to pound the rock and uh, stop the run and take care of the ball. We handle those things. We got a great shot at winning the football game. All right. Thank you, Coach, for your time, and good luck. All right. Thank you very much, fellas. Appreciate it. Again, that was the Washington Patriots football coach, Glenn Simpson, talking about last week's Hedgesville and this week's game against Spring Mills. We also caught up with the Spring Mills coach and Josh Sims, and here's what he had to say about last week's loss to Musselman in this week's game against Washington. Coach Sims, tough loss last week. Uh, what did you like from your team, though, in that game against Musselman? Yeah, you know, the first thing is, you know, we loved our team's effort. Um, you know, we started at certain points in that game, and, and it would have been very easy for the kids to kind of check out and say, well, we lost this one. And, and you know, they never did that. You know, they, they played hard from, uh, you know, play one to play last. And, uh, you know, when it really comes down to it, um, you know, that's the most important thing you want to see from your kids. Now, obviously, you know, we made some mental errors and uh, you know that we definitely need to clean up. But, uh, you know, we were very pleased with our kids' efforts. What have you been working on this week? The big thing is just getting a lot of reps, um, you know, uh, offensively. So, uh, we got down the red zone multiple times uh, last week, and, and every time we did, we just proceeded to shoot ourselves in the foot, whether that be through, uh, you know, penalties or, or through bad snaps or drop snaps or, you know, somebody run, runs the wrong route, back goes to the wrong hole. You know, so it was, it was just some things where, you know, you're starting, a, uh, you know, a whole bunch of young kids. Um, and, you know, we were just making, you know, uh, middle errors. So, you know, the big thing for us was uh, getting into, you, you, you know, uh, reiterating, you know, what we're teaching in, re- in regards to some things offensively, you know, and defensively. Um, but really it was just getting these kids more reps, um, and, uh, you know, making sure everything's all shored up. This week you guys take on Washington, another EPAC opponent. What have you seen from them so far this season in film? Yeah, they're a Washington football team, you know. Um, uh, you know, they were up on Hedgesville, you know, for, for a lot of that game um, last week. So, you know, they're, they're definitely going to come ready to play. Uh, you know, offensively from them, they're doing what they always do around that single wing. And it's one of those things where, you know, watching them on tape, you can definitely tell, you know, these kids, you know, are very experienced playing that offense um, and, you know, very sound fundamentally. So it's one of those things from our kids, we're going to have to, you know, especially defensively be the same way. You know, we're going to have to play sound fundamental assignment football, um, you know, read our keys and, and make sure we're not getting our eyes in the backfield. Offensively, again, you know, we, we just got to clean up, you know, some of the mental errors and the penalties and, and some of those little things, you know, to where when we do get rolling, we, we don't, uh, you know, uh, you know, go 10 yards forward and 15 or 20 yards back. Um, so, again, we kind of just kind of get, get in a rhythm offensively and figure out what we do well and, and you know, kind of start to exploit that. Who stood out to you for your team in that game against Musselman? Oh, okay. So, you, um, uh, you know, Sam's Taller and Gavin Jones. Uh, and Nate Graham on defense. You know, they they, they were beasts. So, um, again, I was very pleased with, with how our defense played uh, or our defense played in that game. 
Um, and, you know, really this, this week, you know, our offense has got to help keep them off the field a little bit and, you know, kind of give them a break, but also, you know, provide our team a spark, you know, and, and, and make a big play. Uh, but, you know, the kids that stood out to us were pretty much the kids we expected. They're our most experienced players on the team. And, and Sam Stotler and Gavin Jones, uh, especially, you know, they're our two senior leaders and, you know, they didn't disappoint. As that was the Spring Mills football coach and Josh Sims as Spring Mills takes on Washington at Washington tomorrow at 7 p.m. We'll have the Martinsburg game, though, as they take on Musselman. We'll talk about that one tomorrow, but for now we'll take our first break here on the Sports Mix as this segment brought to you by Hagerstown Ford, revolutionizing the car buying experience. Buy your next vehicle online. They'll deliver it to you, and if you don't like it, they'll take it back. Go to HagerstownFord.com. And on the other side of this two-minute break, we'll be joined by Nick Verzellini on the phone lines as well to talk about tonight's Shepherd Rams season opener against Southern Connecticut State. This is the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. You're tuned into the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. Welcome back to the Sports Mix Thursday, September 1st, as this segment brought to you by Orsini's Home Store, not just an appliance store anymore, cabinets and design, bedding, outdoor, living, family owned and operated. Visit them at 360 Heck Wilson Way in Martinsburg or go to Orsini's.com. Colin McLaughlin here alongside me, the Hall of Famer Matt Miller, as we are now also joined on the phone line from the voice of the Shepherd Rams for TV 10 and WRNR TV on YouTube, Nick Verzellini. And it sounds like we also got Siri on the phone lines as well. How's the drive going so far, Nick, for you guys getting up to uh, Connecticut? It's going well. Uh, we're getting there. Uh, I think we're only like a little under two hours, probably oh, until we hour and a half till we get there. So things are going well. All right, let's get right into it and talk about this uh, matchup. Fort Shepherd against Southern Connecticut State. I know you've been looking at both sides, and I guess the uh, biggest thing on the Shepherd side is that there will be no Ryan Beach tonight. Yeah, Ryan Beach is out, so that's a pretty big loss for the Rams. Um, he wasn't playing in the scrimmage, so I knew this was a possibility for him to not play in this first game. Uh, the good thing is, though, Shepherd has a lot of wide receivers that they think are going to take a, a big step this year but I mean you look at it top three wide receivers won't be playing uh from last year in this game and Beach now being out and of course Leonard and Gonteric graduating so it's a pretty young core where they're uh looking to get production out of you know guys like Marlon Cook um and a few others that are coming back this year so Brian Walker, the tight end, I think is going to have to play a big role in the passing game today, and uh, Shepard's definitely a little bit down without Beach. 
Nick, one guy that is back in the backfield is Ronnie Brown, and the guys up front, there's some experience there as well. When you're missing guys out of that wide receiving core, uh, how important do you believe Brown and that rushing attack is going to be? Uh, It's going to be huge, I think. I mean, Ronnie Brown, according to Coach McCook, and several of his teammates have had, or he's had uh, one of the best off-seasons on the team. So they're expecting big things out of him this year. Uh, the O-line does return to Fisher, Adam Stilley up front. Other than that, though, they're pretty young. So uh, trying to kind of build around a young offensive line. Um, but Brown will play a big factor today, whether it be in the passing game or in the running game. Uh, and there's also some guys that they really like, him and Avon Holly, and, of course, Blake Hartman as well, the transfer from Lehigh and Musselman grad. So I think we'll see all three of them today. Uh, but Brown will definitely get the majority of the carries and be a big part of this offense throughout the year. You did mention, though, that we may or may not see Brown when it comes to receiving, On even though him being the running back, due to the fact that Shepard still has at the quarterback spot Tyson Bagent. But with those guys that you already mentioned, either graduating or hurt, should we be worried about the passing game, or do you think that Shepard can still open it up here tonight against the Owls? I think they'll be fine throwing the football because, like Coach McCook has said, uh, Tyson makes everybody around him better. So they may be lacking experience at wide receiver, um, but I think he'll still bring the best out of those guys. And we watched the scrimmage, you know, a lot of those New guys, uh, Alfonso Forey had a really nice back shoulder catch. Marlon Cook had a nice catch on the sideline. So while you know they have these injuries to Malachi Brown as well, who they were expecting big things out of, and Ryan Beach and lose some wide receivers from last year, I still think Tyson elevates that offense to a point where they'll get production out of maybe some younger guys. And Rodney Dorsey returns from a foot injury, so he's a guy to watch as well tonight. Uh, but Kenny Edlin, the freshman, He's going to get the start at the other wide receiver opposite of Marlon Cook. So they've been high on him, and and we'll see how he does as well. But I think Tyson will elevate those guys to the point where, even with the injuries and and the guys not returning, it won't be a huge deal for the Rams. Nick, I want to turn my attention to the Owls of Southern Connecticut State. And Coach McCook has mentioned, don't take this team lightly. I know they went 4-6 and six last year. They were 6th in that Northeast 10. But they spent most of their season without their starting quarterback, Jackson Ostrowski. They were 2-1 and one and put up 30-plus points a game when he was out there. They finished this season uh, winning just two out of their last seven games and ultimately only scored 20 points a game on the year. How different is this team going to be, do you feel, with Ostrowski out there and what you're seeing in this matchup? Well, I think one of their wins came against Central Connecticut State, who's an FCS program, so that's a, a good win. And you know, initially, I kind of overlooked Southern Connecticut State as a four and six team from a year ago. I thought it would be a pretty easy opener for Shepard. But uh, you know, you mentioned Ostrowski coming back; they have their lead back uh, returning in the backfield. Uh, they have over 500 yards returning in the receiving game. So there's some key players there. And defensively, all three of their linebackers return. So I think when it comes to experience, uh, Southern Connecticut State actually holds the advantage in this game at a lot of key positions. Uh, but Shepard still has, obviously, the best player in the nation in, in Tyson Bajan. So I would give the Rams the edge. But I think it's going to be a lot closer than people might have thought 
originally when that game was put on the schedule. The question that we've always been asking here on the show is how will Shepard's defense be this season? So what do they need to do to find success tonight against Southern Connecticut State? I think it's important for them to get some stops early on in the ball game. They're an extremely young defense. Uh, you lose Chris Lane, you lose Ponce de Leon, lose Juan Addison, Ricky Robinson up front. So, you know, Matt Bardinsky and Nathan Muley, two local kids, are going to be starting on the interior of that defensive line. Uh, they're yelling in the secondary, only really Clayton Batten and Pena return there. So uh, it's definitely a group where there's a lot of unknowns. They have Dwayne Grantham coming in, Martinsburg, uh, want a transfer that they're excited about. Uh, but I think if they can get those those stops early in the ball game to really build some confidence, uh, that will help this group because it's mainly underclassmen and not a whole lot of experience on that defense. So it, it'll be interesting to see how they perform throughout the season. Uh, but I think stops early in the ball game are going to be really important for them tonight. And I think, as you said, Nick, the early part of this ball game, I, I don't think this game will be won necessarily in the first quarter, but it, clearly how you start this game is going to be big because if you're Southern Connecticut State, you knew in the offseason the opponent that you were scheduling for game one, right? I mean, you, hey, Shepard is a national semifinalist last year, losing in the semifinals to the eventual national champion who showed they were clearly the best team in Division II college football in Ferris State. So for Southern Connecticut State to say, yeah, we want this game, you knew they had to have a little bit of confidence. And, you know, if you're Shepard, and we know it all the time, you tend to get the best shot from your opponent because people look at you and circle that game on the schedule and go, this is the type of program that we want and need to be able to beat if we want to get where that program is. So there'll be some pressure tonight on the Rams. Yeah, definitely. I think Southern Connecticut State has uh, proven to try to challenge themselves in the non-conference with the Central Connecticut game last year uh, to kick off their season, which was a win. And now starting this year with Shepard, who is always a tough team in Division Two. Uh, has you know, like you said, a great season last year. So the it's going to uh, be an interesting matchup. I think it's an opportunity for the Owls to really play pretty loose because they're not expected to win this ball game. Uh, so they can come out early and try to get that early edge. But I also think that they're pretty confident because they believe that uh, having Jackson Ostrowski back at quarterback will really give them a boost this year. And, We'll have to wait and see. I think it's going to be the, uh, a fun game to start off the season. All righty. Thank you, Nick, uh, for coming on here for this time on the Sports Mix. And uh, enjoy the rest of the trip with Spencer, Travis, Dylan, and uh, Donald. Tell them we say hi and be safe for the final hour and a half. All right. Thank you, Colin. And, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to it. All righty. Talk to you later when safe it's time travels. for kickoff, guys. That, again, was Nick Verzellini, the voice of the Shepherd Rams for TV10 and WRNR TV on YouTube as the Shepherd Rams, again, kicking off tonight against Southern Connecticut State. The pregame shows at 5 p.m., kickoff at 5.30 on TV10 and WRNR TV on YouTube. Matt, it looks like you got something. First Division II game of the season by yep. starting that early. But I, one other note, um, I was looking at some statistics. Southern Connecticut State did give up 29.5 points a game last year. 
And the Rams were one of the best scoring offenses in the nation, one or two, depending on certain categories, at 43.7 points a game. And while Shepard has some holes to fill, clearly, um, you know, when you're looking at a defense giving up a lot of points and an offense that's been scoring a lot of points, you know, this may end up being a shootout type of game, depending on how that Ram defense can come out and establish themselves. You'd hope that it would not be a shootout. But I think the Rams are definitely going to find the end zone a few times in this one. I do too, but having Ryan Beach on the sidelines instead of out there, I think, is going to hurt. But look for guys like McCook as well as Brian Walker, Ronnie Brown, to really pick up the slack and make this team – shine tonight I think still offensively and maybe we see some local guys I know Blake Hartman now running back there from yeah. Musselman we'll see if we get Christian Slack out there anytime and Grantham as well so we'll have to wait and see it should be a fun one oh, and you might have had a chance to see Malachi Brown in that wide receiving core if he were healthy but of course yeah. he he went down with the the injury during training camp so So we'll take another break here on the sports mix and when we come back we'll talk about tonight's backyard brawl the 105th edition of that rivalry between west virginia and the pit panthers 11 years in the waiting this is the sports mix on talk radio wrnr and tv 10 we'll be back in two minutes Now, back to the sports mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. Welcome back into the sports mix. Colin McLaughlin joined by Matt Miller, the Hall of Famer, with a little bit of the Miller time intro going on right now as this segment brought to you by Kent Parsons Ford in Martinsburg. We became number one by making you number one first. Parsons. Go to ParsonsFord.com for more. And whenever you're here, we always got to play that song, right? You put me in in charge of music. Makes you... Back at home. Speaking of football mood, um, Russ Goodacre, friend of the show on Miller Time through the years, uh, just sent a text during our last segment. He says, happy Shepherd football opening day. The only better opening day is Orioles opening day and then finishes with go Rams. I know we'll talk a little Orioles baseball later. And uh, wow, what an exciting year that they are having. Otherwise, uh, opening day is about the most exciting day for Orioles fans. But uh, <laughs> anyway, good good to get the college football season underway with the Rams at 530 and then the Mountaineers at 7. Yep, the Mountaineers, it's a tough one tonight. Feeling a little nervous. Obviously excited because the backyard brawl finally back, the 105th edition. It's been 11 years in the making to renew this rivalry It shouldn't have ever gone away, but it did. West Virginia got the last laugh at home back 11 years ago, 21 to 20. I was at that game. All right. So the fact that I can't go tonight kind of hurts because it would have been a lot of fun to go see this there at the now Acrisure Stadium instead of Heinz Field. Yeah, I'll never get used to that. So. You'll have on the uh, coveralls in the hat, though, right? Like the picture we saw Tuesday morning. No, I got to stay in the polo because Uh, I will be still working tonight uh, as we have the Shepherd game. But 
Still got my blue and gold on underneath here. Just can't show it. So. I, look, when you mention the fact that it's been 11 years for this game to come about again, it, again, I just let me let me throw a couple of stats and then I'll give my opinion. 1895, the first time these two programs met, 104 times they have played football. And from 1943 through 2011, I read that they played on a regular yearly basis. This is the problem that I'm having with college football in particular right now. And the idea of all the money that is coming through television media rights and so forth that is creating these super conferences and taking regional matchups that should be there on a regular basis, regional matchups that are fan-friendly matchups, and throwing them by the wayside because, well, we would rather see the big TV contract game and, and have this team in this conference and so forth. It's ridiculous that Pitt and WVU have been able able to have a series as long as it's been and then see it cut off in 2011. Now, I did read they're scheduled to play, what, like eight times in the next 10, 11, 12 years as the schedule is playing out. I believe I read that just the other day, but come on, college football. These types of matchups need to be there every year. Oh, I 100% agree, and I'll even add on, it's not really stats, but fan base-wise, it was always... Even if it's a bad season, your team goes four or five wins. If you beat your rival, it didn't matter what that record was, especially when it's 75 miles separating Morgantown and Pittsburgh. The players, they grew up together. We saw it. If you uh, haven't seen this yet, I highly recommend it. There is a uh, documentary that was just put out by... uh, Golden Blue Nation on WVIllustrated.com on Sunday to just talk about the history of the rivalry. And yes, if you're a WVU fan, they do mention the 2007 game that nobody likes to talk about. So, warning you there, that's going to be talked about. But it still shows the true culture difference Mm -hmm. and the reason why this rivalry was so intense. It's the coal miners against the steel workers. Mm-hmm. It's West Virginia, Pennsylvania, guys that were from West Virginia that wanted to leave, so they went to Pitt. It's guys from Western Pennsylvania that wanted to leave that came to WVU. It still happens, and the fact that it was gone for 11 years football-wise, which is, in America, the biggest sport, And that's one thing that, not really from a fan base, because obviously if you go on social media, the rivalry's still there. Mm -hmm. But I'm partially worried, do the players fully understand this rivalry? I think think they, not fully, it's there. I think you'll still see some bad blood. Yeah. Obviously, you still might see some... uh, Tensions flare early, but it's not going to be like it used to be. Those that have went to the basketball games between these schools, I think, agree with me. It's not like it used to be. There's still some, obviously, few choice words that fans say, Mm -hmm. but it's not as hostile of an environment as it was 11 years ago when it was every single year. 
Right, and that's the thing. By, by taking that long period of time off, it does put a little extra emphasis on this one because it is the first time in a decade. But again, if you play year after year after year, you'll keep that rivalry. Now, here's my question. Is WVU taking the rivalry more seriously than Pitt fans? Because Pitt's coming off a whale of a year last year. 11 wins and three losses, winning the ACC. They're taking on a WVU team that has struggled the last few years, the rebuild under head coach Neil Brown, six and seven a year ago. And I have read from various sources that up to 75% of the tickets sold for a game in Pittsburgh have gone to Mountaineer fans. I saw that too. I don't know if that's going to be truly accurate, no matter how much I'd love to see that stadium be more of the WV gold and blue instead mm-hmm. of the Pittsburgh gold and blue or blue and gold, whatever you want to call it for the Panthers nowadays. So that'd be a lot of fun. But I I, th- I don't know how many Mountaineer fans like to admit this. I'll be one to admit. I think that the rivalry has always been more intense on the WVU side and the hatred for Pitt because Pitt has – the in-state rivalry, right? In Penn State, Pitt. That used to be played every single year. Right. Now it's not as yeah. well because of that separation between conferences, too, kind of like the backyard brawl. And a point that I'll bring up that documentary again that was made is that rivalry between Pitt-Penn State, Pitt fans always looked at as the team to beat, but the team they never wanted to lose to was WVU. WVU always had it as the team to beat was always Pitt. Mm-hmm. And throw in another rivalry, the team you never wanted to lose to, never lost to, Marshall. Not as much of a rivalry just because, again, exactly. Marshall and WVU rarely see each other. Look, a key tonight has got to be the guys in the trenches. Yes. You know, when you look back to last year and you hear a lot about Pitt's vaunted offense – you know, um, but they're without their star quarterback, who is now in the NFL. Um, they're without their top returning wide receiver, who, while not even in the transfer portal, um, elected to take off and go out west for NIL money. Again, we could talk about that for a, a whole show or more. But what they do return is a bunch of guys on that defense. And I was reading some statistics that last year – Pitt was in the top five in the nation in both sacks and tackles for loss. And when you look at the Mountaineer offense from a season ago, that averaged only about 25 points a game. Mm -hmm. Where was the biggest struggle? Offensive line. They didn't protect the quarterback well, and they never really established the ground game. That's got to be the key tonight for the West Virginia Mountaineers. Look, it's great to have JT Daniels back there, and but you got to keep him healthy. Remember, you got to reason- keep him healthy, and you got to remember that this is his first game as a Mountaineer. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's back underneath his former offensive coordinator and Graham Hill when he spent time at USC a few years ago, but it's a new quarterback at a new school. You got a new starting running back, in Tony Mathis, for West Virginia. And you got a whole bunch of new guys on that wide receiver core as well, led by Bryce Ford Wheaton. New offensive coordinator. Should West Virginia be worried that in week one, playing on the road against a school that is nationally ranked in Pitt, being 17th in the nation, 
about that offense that, as you said, only averaged 25 points last year, correct? Mm-hmm. 25.2 Are points Are we really going to see a change in the first game of the year is what I'm worried about. Because they, of how many things are new. They do have weapons still, on the outside. Yes, they still have weapons. And if but Daniels since can get system, enough time to get them the ball. Since the players are so new, is everything going to be fine-tuned enough to get a win against a team that's going to be as tough as the Pitt Panthers will be tonight? We'll know at 7 o'clock. <laughs> We're looking forward to it. I hey, cannot wait. Another quick stat, minus seven in turnovers last year for West Virginia. And that is an area where they, they've got to improve. Cannot be turning the football over. Now, they didn't commit a ton of turnovers, to be honest, 20. But they only got 13 turnovers as a defense last year. Got to find a way to take the football from Pitt tonight while not giving it up themselves. We've heard the defensive line should still be strong. Mm-hmm. It was one of the brighter spots for West Virginia last season, led by Dante Sills. So I think you can look forward to pass rushing being uh, positive on the Mountaineer side, but will it be enough against the Pitt Panthers? We'll have to wait and see. As you said, Matt, it is a 7 o'clock kickoff. 4 p.m. is when the pregame show starts for the Mountaineer Sports Network. You can tune into the game right here on Talk Radio WRNR, you got a final word before we Quick take a break? quiz question. When's the last time the West Virginia Mountaineer football team won three games in a row? Three games in a row in general three or games against the in team? in a row. Yep, just three games in a row in, in a given season. Hmm. I'll go back to when Will Greer was there with the team. 2018. They beat Tennessee, Youngstown State, and then had the NC State game canceled because of the hurricane Mm -hmm. that came through. They beat K-State in the next game to open that 2018 season at 3-0. And if you remember, they won their next two games as well, and they were 5-0 going into a matchup at Iowa State and then laid an egg. Yep, that was a trap game that everybody saw coming that season. 2018. So can the Mountaineers get a win tonight against a very good pit team and start this season off and maybe put together a bit of a win streak? Again, we'll just have to wait and see. Let's go. Mountaineers. There you go. (laughs) That'll do it for this portion of the sports mix. We'll take a two-minute break and then be back to talk some baseball. The National last night, so did the Orioles. And we'll give you the big storylines from both of those games as we wrap things up here on the sports mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. You're tuned in to the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. Welcome back to the final segment of the Sports Mix here on Thursday, September 1st. Colin McLaughlin alongside me is the Hall of Famer Matt Miller as this segment brought to you by... The Marius Group of Ameriprise Financial Advisors in John Everson and Phil McCoy. Call Ameriprise Financial Services at 304-263-4343 or stop by their offices at 1270 Winchester Avenue right here in Martinsburg. And we'll wrap things up talking some baseball as the MLB season still underway. Only a few games left. One more month and then about, what, a week and a half in October 
But the Washington Nationals and the Baltimore Orioles getting wins last night. And for the Nationals, the 5-1 win against the Oakland A's gave Anibal Sanchez his first win as a pitcher since 2020. Wow. I, I, he, he's been getting better so far. I mean, his last start was a pretty solid yeah. one. They got the win. He didn't get the win, but he finally gets a win yesterday against Oakland. I didn't realize he was even still in, in the league. You know, I just I thought that, that he had reached that point and, and was ready to uh, hang it up because he's been around for a while. Yes. But um, I, I'm just surprised at, at how much the Nationals have fallen off from that World Series title. That seems so long ago right now. It does. When you're sitting in the middle of a 44-86 and 86 season. And, you know, they beat Oakland, who is them to be the worst team in baseball. They're 49-82, and 82, and sorry, Rob, but Pittsburgh is fighting there as well at 49-81. and 81. Uh, The Nationals, though, are going to have to go on a pretty good September run, I think, to not end up being the worst team in the league. Well, you got to remember now, the MLB this coming season is implementing a draft lottery for that number one pick from the three worst teams. So it doesn't matter if you're the worst team getting the number one pick. Those bottom three teams, which you just mentioned, Washington, Oakland, and Pittsburgh, will be put into a draft lottery kind of like the NBA to get that number one overall pick. Yeah, but again, does the overall number one pick in baseball mean as much as it no. does in maybe other sports? And look at the Nationals. And they had back-to-back number ones. And they took who? Steven Strasburg, who did help to pitch them to that World Series victory, but has battled with injuries. And frankly, I, it was one of those darned-if-you-do-darned-if-you-don't situations mm-hmm. for Rizzo as a GM and then the Nationals, right? Because Strasburg has just helped you win a World Series when he's been able to manage to stay as healthy as he has for probably any season in the big leagues. You knew you were going to have to give him a big contract, but was he going to be worth that contract? And the answer right now is no, because he hasn't been able to stay on the field. And then you, you who was your next pick? Well, you add Bryce Harper who, again, for whatever reason, did not want to remain in D.C. because we know the amount of money that he was offered. But he said, no, I'd rather go to Philadelphia. So, you you know, two number one picks that you could look at and go, in the NFL, in the NBA, you might be able to build around those two picks and be pertinent for years to come. Oh, yeah. And here we are only a few years removed, and the Nationals are the worst team in baseball. But Sanchez went seven innings, giving up only three hits, one run, and four strikeouts. All in all, a good AAA game. <laughs> Just Move over. Kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, used to say the same thing about the Orioles, which we'll talk about now. Wow. And a guy that was moved up from AAA, since you just brought it up, in Norfolk, to the Orioles yesterday. He got the start. Gunnar Henderson, the number one prospect for the Orioles, and the number two prospect all in Major League Baseball, and here's what he did yesterday in that game against the Guardians. 416 on base percentage between Bowie and Norfolk. On a 2-2, Henderson drills one, right center field and deep, and gone! Oh my goodness! His first Major League hit is his first Major League home run. The helmet is long gone, as is the ball. Let the hair flow, Gunnar Henderson. You're a big leaguer, and your first hit is sitting in right center field, deep in the seats in Cleveland. Well, that ball was crushed. 
Yeah, I didn't hear if he crushed. got the ball back, but a 429-foot home run for Gunnar Henderson making his MLB debut. He went 2 of 4 yesterday as well with that solo shot and a single as the Orioles picked up a 4-0 win over Cleveland now 68 and 61 overall for Baltimore looking at that wild card spot two games back of the Toronto Blue Jays. What a season it's been that originally it seemed like turned around as soon as Adley Rutschman got called up earlier in the season there in May. Could this call up with Gunnar Henderson do the same thing to kind of propel them back on a winning streak to get them into that wild card spot? Hey, I mean, the Orioles, the the strings that they have pulled so far this season have all been the right ones. You know, um, and and it seems each year in baseball, there is a team that rises to the occasion that you're going, where did they come from? And I, I really think it's neat to see the Orioles being the team this year that is doing that because they were such a storied franchise that has for the last mm-hmm. two decades been miserable uh, under their current ownership. And so to, to see them and, and, and that they're doing it kind of the old Oriole way, if you will, right? as they have built from the ground up, so to speak, right? They, they've drafted players, they've brought them up through their system, and now they're, they're seeing the rewards. Yeah, I said at the beginning of the year I was hoping for 65, 70 wins in total, and they're already at 68, and there's still a month left of yeah. baseball to play. So hopefully Baltimore can get it just enough to get into that wild card spot and Maybe if the Yankees keep spiraling down, take the division. Probably not, no. but it'd still be cool to see, you know, <laughs> go up against the Yankees in the playoffs, a team that's been struggling. They've I been think the best they team had, in the East, right? Since they're still like the May. best team in the East, but last month, the month of August, they were the second worst team in the AL. So that's going to wrap things up here on the Sports Mix. I'm Colin McLaughlin for Nick Verzellini and Matt Miller. We'll talk to you tomorrow to recap those games as well as preview the Martinsburg Bulldogs. Yeah.